I'm Osher Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Hi, I'm Georgia Love, and you're listening to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Hello and welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, a Bachelor Australia podcast that asks the question, that's a segue? Is that, do you not know what a segue is? I thought that we've been doing them on this podcast for years and they look nothing like that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so we need to clear the air a little bit about this thing. Because the ones that we've been doing have been quite different to the ones we saw on TV. I agree with you there. Yeah. I mean, there were probably an equal amount of injuries from gross malpractice. I will give you that. That's true. We often will have a bad stumbling sort of accident uh, around a segue <laughs> when we try and approach one on this uh, discussion and, uh, you know, review podcast. What do we call it? <laughs> it's a recap podcast for The That's Bachelor. The My name is Max Quinn. That's Xavier Rebetsky Noonan. Kelly's here sometimes. We talk about the podcast. I really made it sound like Kelly was here right now, but she's mm-hmm. not. You said mm, we talk no. about the podcast too. I guess that is true in a meta sense. We often spend a lot of time evaluating our own progress as, uh, as commentators and recording artists and that sort of thing. And begging you for five stars on iTunes because we did come here to make friends. That's true. Let's start it off that way, shall we? <laughs> Guys, <laughs> if you, if you enjoy the, this. If you are enjoying the podcast, you've been with us all season, you can chuck us five stars on your uh, podcast app of choice. It really helps the pod get discovered. Obviously, there's going to be so much more Bachelor content to come out this year. We love doing it and we mm-hmm. want to get it out to as many people as possible. So anything that you can do to support us... Uh, would be fantastic as we continue to dive deep into what makes this show so confounding and so beautiful at the same time. Right. So thanks so much for listening to another episode and we will catch you next week. Please look after yourselves (laughs) and all your special friends. (laughs) All right. We did this gag like two weeks ago where we ended early. Yeah. It's not going to gag. I mean, it was fine, but it's not going to fly again so soon. We have to wait for some of the old listeners to die out. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Have you seen Clerks the Animated Series? No, I didn't realize there was one. It's really good. Um, you should definitely watch Clerks, the animated series. The problem with it, though, was that the network that aired it aired it out of order. Right. And yes. the second episode is a clip show. Oh. That flashes back to the first episode. <laughs> and shows clips guess, from... Yeah, guess which episode they aired first. I'm going to guess that they, they switched those two around. <laughs> they just aired the clip show first. Oh, which why is the absurd. hell not? <laughs> How Why much of a difference could it make? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's pretty bad. I think there's a... Who you know, how will you know who will spit on anyone? <laughs> I don't know anything about Clerks. Oh, you should watch Clerks. Clerks is really good. I think I've seen one Clerk. Both Clerks are really good. They're among the four movies that I've seen. Right. Okay. Wow. I feel... Suddenly I feel like I'm the movie illiterate one. 
Mm, as, along with Lion King 3, um, Hakuna Matata Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be right. Are you sure? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. I recently watched Lion King 2 after yeah. dismissing it for my entire life, thinking it was just some, you know, knockoff straight-to-DVD thing. Called, like, it Simba's might be Pride the or best. Something? Yeah, Simba's Pride, which, by the way, is a great joke. It took me <laughs> a, a little while to pick up on it, but um, that's, that might be the best movie ever made. That's the best one. I think it might be the best. I think <laughs> Lion King 2 Simba's Pride might be the finest movie in, in film history. What about Speed Racer? Oh, you're right. Okay. Cancel it all. I'm not allowed to have <laughs> thoughts on movies. <laughs> Speed Racer is the best movie ever made. Don't at me. I mean, do at me if you want to talk about Speed Racer. <laughs> we'll save it for the Speed Racer podcast, the designated oh, Speed we? Racer episode of the Bachelor of Hearts Holy podcast. Holy shit. We've made promises like that in the past and not kept them. If this one does not get... <laughs> Followed through on. <laughs> break my heart. Xavier, <laughs> we should talk about these episodes of The Bachelor that have gone to air this week. I will say that maybe this was my favorite two-episode stint of the season. Interesting. I thought these were uh, pretty good episodes. There's definitely, like, some real highlights that we saw this week that, like, I think maybe one of these single dates was, like, my favorite moment of the season. Definitely. Or, um something close to it um yeah i mean vanessa sunshine notwithstanding <sighs> of course i mean we can't let her flame fade out because she did burn so brightly mm. um but yeah there was some really good stuff there was also just some confusing sort of frustrating stuff and not even really frustrating in an upsetting way but just some things just some unsolved mysteries that i was left scratching my head about so i'm a little be bit curious. spooky scary Right, yeah, just a little bit of like, I mean, we're we're messing with, I think we've become very familiar with this franchise, and so whenever anything happens that's out of the ordinary, we really feel it. Yeah, there's uh, um, something afoot, Scooby-Doo. Right, exactly, yeah. just like the, ri- oh, just like the Scooby-Doo ride at Movie World theme parks. <laughs> we've looped that's back a segue. around. <laughs> we've... We have, like, on a roller coaster. <laughs> oh, no. We've tipped this teacup back towards the other uh, direction. And, uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> ride out of your mouth? <laughs> Did I take the words ride out of your mouth, Max? <laughs> okay, here's, here's what I've realized about this season. Mm-hmm. I think that Nick has been a shitty bachelor up until now. And you think this week he turned it around? I'm still not sure if he turned it around, but I think that if he is going to turn it around, we will look back at these episodes as like the pivot point. This is the fulcrum where we saw Nick sort of realize who he is as a communicator and as a TV character and Mm. make at least surface level changes. That is a good take. I think there are a few moments in this week where it, became clear to me that he is not excelling and and there are a couple of uh moments where his his small talk sort of seems to drop out he sort of loses tempo he loses focus um and and it and it doesn't benefit him at all but i agree that like he can look back on those moments and hopefully uh improve for the long game you know that's it yeah and like i think that we are watching now at least scratch the surface of someone who has been pretty one-note the whole season. Like, he's good on the surface level. His small talk, as a rule, really good. His chat, his gags, his uh, 
idiosyncratic way of speaking is kind of compelling. And mm. for the first couple of episodes, it carried a lot of weight. Since then, maybe we've had to focus on a lot of the drama and the uh, behavior by Romy and, and Kat and Alicia that went on in the house because there wasn't that much to focus on with Nick. And that's something mm. that I've sort of come to this week, but I was pleased to see uh, a little bit in the first episode and then again in the second episode signs that this was the gears were starting to turn mm. and then kind of it was all taken away again. Also in this episode, I want to touch on the importance of catering your date to the uh, the contestant that is on the show because... Right. We've seen that this episode with Emily, and it made, in my opinion, the best Bachelor date in recent memory. I want to say I feel the exact same way, and I think it made me stop and wonder why they don't do this, like, all the time. Like, by design, the show should include this type of thing. Things that the women like. And uh, there's a point of comparison that I want to make a little bit later, and we'll get to it, to a different reality dating show. Ooh. Yeah. So you can look out for that a little bit later on the podcast. Beautiful. All right. Well, I'm not going anywhere. I don't know about you, dear listener, but I reckon (laughs) we should dive headfirst into our recap of The Bachelor Australia, Season 6, Episode 11. Evan, Evan, Evan. (laughs) It was was dark. I love that, though. I don't know. I was just trying it out. Now I feel weird about it. (laughs) All right. So Osha drops off a single date card with the clue... Today has been a long time coming, so let's take the plunge and dive in deep. And I'm like, deep, ooh, toilet deep, date. Deep, 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 deep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, toilet date. Yeah, why not, right? Like oh, the Mario Brothers dress up sort of situation. What's that you would... I feel like you were uniquely equipped to know this. It's mm-hmm. a cartoon movie about mice getting flushed, flushed down away. the toilet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it good? Uh, it's all right. It's Oddman. It's like, uh, um, the same people who did like chicken run and stuff. Oh. Um, so, but I think it's like Oddman Dreamworks or something. It's worth yeah, a right. look, but it's not like fondly remembered. It's not essential viewing. No. I it's mean, no... the premise is solid. Mice get flushed down the toilet. <laughs> right. I mean, how could it miss? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And it's finally a toilet date for Cass. Who has not had a, to- a trip to the toilet since she entered the mansion? <laughs> she must be busting. So all the other women are really happy for her because I guess she's just been holding it. <laughs> <laughs> she really has been holding on to something. Yeah. Yep. And it's been causing her a lot of, uh, you know, distress. Gastrointestinal distress. Right. Um, so good. All right. We cut to Nick. He is on a weird, like, old school bus. It's not an old school bus. It's an old school bus. <laughs> uh, the number plate is SCK dot double O L, which I think is short for sick cool, maybe. Oh, yeah. I thought it was like sick all. Oh, yeah. Is it, well, it is. It's all, what, would, what would an all be? Sorry, Max, if I'm not familiar with the term. Mm, Ocarina of... Lime? Lime. (laughs) (laughs) Guacamole of lime. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, So this sick cool bus pulls up to Cass. Uh, Nick is hanging out the front door, and he grabs Cass and carries her over his shoulder onto the bus. What a strong boy. What a cute man. He's very strong. This is nice. Yeah, isn't it? 
And we hear Cass rattling off a few things that she likes about Nick, for example. You know, he obviously has the best body. I mean, are there people with better rigs? He's got a good rig. Did Matty J have a better rig? Ooh, now we're asking the real tough questions. This is what a real recap analysis podcast is about. That's it, yeah. Let's rank Um, the rigs. Um, For me personally, I'm more of a Matty J guy, but it's hard to separate the rig from what is attached to it because I I find Matty J just more appealing generally. Well, that's the love rig. That's separate. Right. Because he's, yeah. got, he's got a six-pack of hearts. Yeah, so you take the love rig of Matty J and you put it in the rig rig of Nick. Yeah. M- maybe you've got someone who'll go down in Batcher Law. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. How have we never Thank heard you. that before? How many of these have we done now? 500? Oh, look, too many for that not to have been brought up. <laughs> That's good fun. Aren't we having a nice time? <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, speaking of places you can go to have a nice time. Theme parks. <laughs> I there's a there's a uh, podcast I listen to regularly about theme park attractions that I've never been to. <laughs> it's a very strange passion of mine. What's it called? Uh, it's called Podcast the Ride. I'll give them a shout okay. out. It's a lot of fun. If you've never been to dis- like any American theme park, because I've never been over there, just a nice way to hear about it all. Nice way to just see what's going on. This yeah, is very nice and wholesome content. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, they're you know I, I recommend it. Last also, week, you can just go this week, theme park rides. Well, yeah, and also you can just go on YouTube. I didn't really think about this up until maybe in the last year or something, but you can just go on YouTube and be like you're on a roller coaster. Oh, I didn't think about that. Like 24 hours a day, if you're like, it'd be nice to be on a roller coaster right now. Give yourself like five minutes buffering time. You'll get like a crisp 1080p GoPro, you know, front seat of the carriage experience oh with people like shrieking and, you know, reacting in real time. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful world out there on the web, Max. Here's a, here's a game that I want to pitch to you, a video game, a video gum. Okay. I've heard of these. It's video gum. That was the one on the website, right? That's right. Yes. A, yes. a video gum. Mm-hmm. So it's basically what you're describing here now except it's your responsibility to drive the roller coaster oh God. and not crash. So what you've designed is the job of a 16-year-old, essentially, yes. right? But except you sell it to those same coaster. 16-year-olds and they have to pay you money. <laughs> Whoa, there you go. I love that. <laughs> it's not bad. The system works. Yeah, I think so. I'm really happy with how things are in the world right now. <laughs> Are we moving on? <laughs> What's wrong with the world, mama? People, li- we should People living like they ain't got roller coaster video games. <laughs> well, there was Roller Coaster Tycoon. That was good. But you were more... What was that about? A, well, it was like a Sims sort of... You, you were like an abstract sort of demigod of a theme park. And you could, you know, set up structures and um, charge however much you wanted to get into things and that kind of thing. Um, oh, but like very that's much sort of like... Animal Crossing, you just kind of get to yeah. play God, but over a small. Oh my God! Park. Thank you for bringing up Animal Crossing because this is an important news item. Yeah, Isabel being added to the Smash Bros. Ultimate roster. Fuck Mary Kill. Wait, so Isabel from Animal Crossing? Fuck yep. Mary Kill. You've yep. got to choose Mary, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that. Um, if you said fuck, I'd be like, she's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and if you said kill, I'd be like, she's my lover. She's so a dog. Good. Yeah. Uh, excellent. <laughs> Check that off the list. That's the only like that's the only viable choice, right? Yes, absolutely agreed. Yeah, we will we'll fight over her. I guess we can have like a three way. We'll we'll. I mean, <laughs> we'll talk about it later. <laughs> um, 
Wet and Wild. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm only being uncomfortably sexual because uh, it's coming up <laughs> in this episode. Um, so this school bus reaches its destination. They, arri- they realize they've arrived at Wet and Wild Sydney, which is a theme park whose spring season coincidentally begins just nine days after the air date of this episode. <laughs> so, mums and dads out there, get booking. <laughs> get booking. Is this the one where the tragedy happened, or was that Dreamworld? Dreamworld had the tragedy, not Wet and Wild. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So, we're not, we're not worried. Wet no. and Wild, as far as we know, perfectly safe. No, perfectly fine place to make a lot of bawdy jokes about and that sort of thing. Interesting also that uh, we have chosen to go on a date that kind of resembles what you would do on your year eight excursion. <laughs> and part of Cass's narrative, you know, coming through this entire series mm. has been how her affection for Nick resembles like a schoolgirl crush. That's a very interesting point. Yeah. They definitely mm. do thrust them back into that, like youthful naivety uh, on this date. And we have no other dates to compare this with, you know, for how they're establishing the Cass and Nick storyline or whatever. It's nice to watch them play as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, like the park is completely empty, um, obviously, because the spring, uh, whatever, doesn't open until yada yada. <laughs> so Nick and Cass have it to themselves. Um, and then <laughs> their first destination is the Sky Coaster. And the Sky Coaster is an utterly inhumane torture device slash ride. Um <laughs> where riders are strapped into a full-body harness and raised over 75 metres into the air, or in Nick's words, quote, as high as Bob Marley, but I'm nowhere near as relaxed. Um, Pretty good. Not too bad. Um, Before they plummet face-first towards the ground in a horrific free-fall drop. This is an actual nightmare. This is torturous. Yeah, like, as someone... I think I've talked about my fear of heights on here uh, on the podcast before... Mm. I was sort of trying to see how long I think I would last if I was in this scenario uh, before I started crying and wanted to bail out. I don't think I would even get off the ground. I think even like the harnesses would be enough for me. Like I would just know something was up and I would want out of there. Well, that's the thing with phobia though, right? Like so much of the fear is the panic and the stuff that sets in with the... You know what it's going to feel like, or you, at mm. least you think you do. You've built it up. You mm. know what you think it's going to sound like and how that's going to make you feel. Mm. And it's like the trick that you play on yourself. Yeah, and it's the whole approach leading up to that as well that, that freaks me out, like knowing it's about to happen. Yeah. Yes, definitely. The anticipation. I even, like in... in uh, preparing my notes for this episode of this podcast uh, was re-watching this section and it put me off. Like, I was procrastinating. I normally really like doing this, but I was like, I don't want to keep <laughs> like, looking at this part. I don't want to keep doing this. It's stressful. Yeah. Nick says he's packing it about six times as they climb up to the top of the arc. Question. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, you were wondering what it might mean that he's packing yeah. it? Um, I have a feeling that it might be like a behind, like a back of the body sort of situation. Oh, like a he's packing something full. Of, yeah, I, that's the impression that I got. But I don't know about yeah. you. Okay. Um. So th- then, at the top of this arc, they're waiting up there for a moment, and there's this really stressful moment where Nick pulls the cord that's meant to release them, and then they remain stuck in the air. And we watch this, like, really grainy, over-zoomed footage of them, like, panicking together, way up in the sky. 
And Cass in voiceover says, if we die, at least we die together before cutting to commercial. So, like, the fear of death hangs heavy over these two episodes, I guess. And also the fear of dying alone. There's something weirdly comforting about that. As much as Mm. they really made a meal on socials about Cass saying, if we die, at least we die together. Mm. Isn't that kind of satisfying? Yeah, a little bit. And it's like, finally, they're getting this date. Like, I can imagine why she'd be saying that. But yeah. Yeah, when we come back from the the break and we watch them still absolutely freaking out for a little while longer, um, but then it's revealed that Cass was actually the one who's meant to have pulled her cord or something. I, it's not super clear. Um, but then she pulls her cord and then we watch them do this horrifying fall. Um, not fun to look at. Not fun no. to be in the room for. No. One one subtle thing that I noticed, which I don't know if you picked up on because I only saw it like second time I watched it, was they literally dubbed a Wilhelm scream over this. Which <laughs> no, I didn't notice. If you, if you're not familiar, it's this really common uh, like stock sound effect of a man screaming. It's in loads and loads of movies and stuff. Um, and if you know what to listen for, it's very obvious. But sometimes people will sort of sprinkle it in as an Easter egg. Can we put one in? Of course. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was, that was me. <laughs> no, it actually sounds like this. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. If you've ever seen a movie, you'd be familiar with the, this classic scream. <laughs> <laughs> so they play some triumphant music over this moment while they're both like falling and both of them seem really relieved and they're laughing and the adrenaline's kicking in and stuff but it just really seems like an absolute nightmare to me well I mean I guess Cass has been waiting to relieve herself for this entire time (laughs) that's what that means that is what that means thank you wonderful Uh, Nick tells Cass scary new experience that's what it's all about now comes the wet now Max what do you reckon that might mean? <laughs> what do you think? I've got... I probably... There's a couple of questions that spring up over this next <laughs> segment. And maybe I'll just sort of put together a few things that I heard and maybe you could sort of clarify. Maybe we can figure out what it is that some of these things mean. Yeah? Great. Yes. Let's do it. So, the first one? Well, they go... We watch them go down this series of uh, water slides uh, mm. and Cass narrates, Nick's looking really excited. And I can't wait to get wet with him and go down the slides. And then we hear Nick shout, Holy Moses, it's a little bit chilly on the willy. And then we hear Cass yell out, Oh God, there goes my pants. And then Cass says, The last slide we went on was the typhoon. I started off facing opposite Nick, and throughout the ride, we managed to get into all sorts of positions. I'm pretty sure he was on top of me at one stage. And then at the bottom of the typhoon, when they finish and they're done with slides, Nick tells Cass how fun it was getting, quote, wet and going wild. I'm sorry, quote, getting wet and going wild. Max, have you got any theories? I don't know if you can tease out any, like, double meaning or, like, what they might be referring to here. Um, Did I steal your bit? The what does that mean bit? Because it's more fun when <laughs> you, you say did, it. And it was great. <laughs> I really liked it. <laughs> I'm just wondering what any of that stuff means. What, is, what does that mean? Now, I can't tell you for certain. Mm. When was the last what time I you can... were on a water slide? Oh, <laughs> uh, I would have been 14. Oh my and gosh. I remember... Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I went down a water slide with 
Haley Bogard uh, in in year eight, and someone else, Sam Martin, right, and two close friends, two close friends. We you know remember each other's names, call each other for every birthday. Mm-hmm. Haley and Sam got together not long after that. Oh. Oh, a romantic waterfall, much like I'm, I'm sorry, not waterfall, water slide, much like the water one slide. in this date. And I have spent, I don't know, thirteen years of my life wondering, was I a third wheel? Mm. I wonder if I was a burden that day. Look, I mean, perhaps you were the very water that allowed this uh, romance. You know, these two partners to slide into. <laughs> 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 Getting a little out of uh, out of hand on this podcast. Um, um, the aqua beneath their Super Eight racer. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. They did have one of those. That's right. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. You know. Oh, it's... can I tell you about my time on a Super Eight aqua racer when I was nine? I would love to know what that means. Yes. My family went to Wet and Wild, and they're like, so it's eight people to a slide, and Obviously, it's a race to the bottom, and yeah. someone got a bit too excited and got <laughs> like on his mat. Nick did <laughs> not in the same way that Nick did. Got on his mat, accidentally let the mat go. Oh no! Went down after the mat oh, on the no. stomach. Mm. Got the mat on the first bump. Spent like fifteen seconds trying to get back up to the top. And this poor kid, who must have been like 17, working at Wet n' Wild, watching Mm. me scramble and fucking trying to, like, not even knowing which direction I'm supposed to be going in. And he's like, just go down, just go down, (laughs) just go down. And I climb all the way back up to the top, right as the light goes. And Mm -hmm. I came last, Savy. Oh, after all that hard work. After all that hard work, getting right up to the top again. Mm -hmm. Bummer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you never bathed again. No, that's it. I have uh, I've stayed dry ever since. Yep, it's for the better. Dry I shampoo, think. revolutionary. Yeah, it's really changed things for you. Yeah. Um, well, we then watch them wade out to a batchy couch that appears to have been set up in a shallow pool, or maybe in the shallow end of a pool. Pretty cute. Yeah, this is nice. Yeah, yeah I like this. Um, they recap the date, and Cass does a bit about how her scream was more manly and, quote, meaty than Nick's was. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. Uh, Cass talks about how she had strong feelings for Nick, but never acted on them until she was on the show, saying, quote, I guess what I was waiting for was a single date with you to see if our connection can go up, because th- uh, uh, that's all I really wanted to happen. But I just have one question. Obviously, I feel strongly about you, but... Every time I walk away from our conversations, I don't know how you feel. Like, do you have feelings for me? Cut to ad break. Right. Exactly. And Great piece of editing. Suspense. Yeah, I like Great that. Great piece of editing. Yeah, it was really good. And do you know what? It was beautiful to watch Cass be vulnerable. And I was taken by how much we have been manipulated to come around to Cass yeah. as a character. Yeah. As this girl who is all of us in a certain sense, who has... Uh, crush on someone who they think is unattainable, and finally you get to go on this dream date to Wet n' Wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've all been there. <laughs> We've all been there. And you get your nerve up, and you muster up all of your courage, and you say, do you have feelings for me? And then, as in real life, it does cut to it ad It cuts break. to an ad break, yeah. Devastating. Yeah. Every time it happens. 
But when we get back from the commercial... Yes. Well, Nick sort of starts to laugh, and then he says, To be honest, I find it difficult to show a lot of feelings and emotion. Which is odd, because he's The Bachelor. That is the statement of the season. Yeah. I think that's it. Um, I think it is a declaration of why he may not be an ideal pick. Um, Yeah. But it is also an explanation of a lot of his behavior that we can pin a lot of things down to. Definitely. And you think about uh, Richie, the same thing. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Very, very hard. Richie had a very hard time saying anything but cool beans. Right. Yes. Right. Um, Whereas Matty J. Wasn't it cool bananas? No. Oh, that's right. Cool bananas. You're right. Cool beans is another annoying catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs) Matty J was really good at articulating his needs and how he was feeling. And he was good at bacheloring by the time that he got there because of all the media training that he'd had and the experience that he'd had on the previous season. Yeah. And he was naturally charming as well. Now, Nick has some of that natural charm and the chit chat, Mm. but what he lacks is that ability to be vulnerable with someone on a human level on the camera. Yeah. Which is a real failure of casting. Exactly. It's just a shame uh, because, like, he's not... It doesn't mean he's bad. He's not a bad person. Mm -mm. He's not even necessarily bad at relating to people. It is obviously, like, you know, he apologizes. He tells her that, quote, this environment makes it harder for him, which he's clearly talking about being on The Bachelor. Um, Yeah. But, you know, he he kind of... He gives it his best. He says, um, you know, she's a beautiful girl, honest, caring girl. And he says, when it comes to feelings, yeah, there's definitely feelings that... There's a connection there for sure. Like, you know, he's try- He's trying. You can he's feel it. He's really trying. Yeah, and you can, like, and I credit him for that. And it really, like, you can feel him grinding to try and access his emotions. Mm. Broadly, it made me think that they were trying to bottle lightning in the same way that they did with Sophie Monk, who was everything for this show. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she was the perfect, emotionally accessible uh, Tara kind of, like, mm. fun bogan super famous hot blonde celebrity. Yeah. And I think they tried to do that again with Nick. And what they've got is someone who definitely on the outside has the the A's and B's. Mm. But when it comes time to do I the think, stuff that the core of the show is about, he struggles. Yeah. Sophie Monk had a bit more of that like ability to be emotionally vulnerable and to discuss her feelings and that kind of thing. I, I think a little more than Nick does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, with that said, she married a dude who had $500,000. Yes. Well, so, the outcome <laughs> maybe not doesn't speak to like the ideal circumstances, but it made for good telly. Mm. Um, so yeah, Cass seems... Sorry, was it 500000 or was it $5 million or $500 million? He was very rich. He was a wealthy man. I think he, I think he had more than $500. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, Cass seems really, really stoked, um, even though he's still kind of being a bit cagey. Um, I think she can also tell that he's trying. Um, she says, at the end of the day, I do not want to be the person that gets... T- uh, oh, I do <laughs> I do want to be the person that gets to walk away with you. <laughs> she, she gets that right. That is on me. Um, and Nick says, I'm not ready for you to go anywhere, and then offers her a rose. And they share a kiss, and it's it's kind of like they do a bit of back and forth head shaky stuff before they start kissing. It's not the best one I've ever seen, but I like I like it. It's a it, bit of know. a bumpy start. Yeah, but I, I like the atmosphere. I like all the little candles floating around them and stuff. It's just pretty. I don't know. Yeah, they got there. It was a nice scene. Yes. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts? Let's go to this group date. Well, so this is my thought. I don't want Nick to break her heart, and he's going to. Yeah, it's going to end... 
badly. It's going to end really badly. Cass, we are like, we're now invested in her, which is a masterful job on the part of the editors and the people who are putting this TV show together because she kind of, even though she's this weird thing who is so besotted by him, mm. you kind of want her to win. You I know? think they like, were trying to make us think it was weird so that we would have this revelation a bit later down the track. Precisely that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for the first uh, few episodes, it seemed like the show was... Uh, lampooning her almost in a way as as like an archetype, yeah. but now we it's creating this sort of greater sense of understanding that she is a, a a human being. Yeah, and now you're like, oh, okay, cool. Well, now that I'm invested in her and I feel such empathy for her, I'm rooting for her. Yeah, and also I like I want good things for a lot of these women, but I don't yeah. necessarily want Nick for them. Whereas totally. with Cass, I'm like, this is what she wants. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. If yeah. any of these couples are going to last a year outside of this, like give them a fucking chance. Like she's been give thinking about it for yes. a while, you know? Yeah. She's ready for it and she wants it so bad. Yeah. And the growth arc with Nick starts here. I fear that it is going to end in him in a really irresponsible manner, just mismanaging the situation and breaking her heart into a million pieces on national TV. Mm. I, I, fear that that is where it is headed. I don't know if he can do it diplomatically. Maybe the move was to cut her loose earlier. I don't... I mean, I don't know how he feels about her still. Yeah. We really just, haven't been given that much indication at this point. I fear that he is going to shatter her. Yeah. And I want him to... For him to break her heart and still come off well... Mm is going to take a great deal of the vulnerability that he has expressed on camera that he is having a hard time showing. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's cut to this group date. Um, Shannon narrates and says, today it's a group date and we're all on it. Like, that's how we get into group dates now. Not to keep making a big deal out of this, but we're just... Shannon says, hey, it's a group date and we're on it. Very weird. So I think that with this one, it's a little bit more excusable because it's like, everyone's here. That's true. And once you get down to this point, it is like there's less speculation and all that sort of stuff. And and I yeah. agree with a group date. Like, it's less interesting to speculate who'll go than with a single or whatever. Who's it going to be? All of us. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we, we still get, I guess we still get a bit of intro because they're all in their Hyundai four-wheel drives and they're all talking about where they're going. I think they, they show up at Glenworth Valley, which I think maybe is a place I went to on Bandcamp. What happened there? Please tell me more. I don't really remember. I have my memories of it like mixed up with uh, uh, that big rock that just closed down or burned <laughs> down or something. Did you hear about a this? A rock burned down? No, no, no. There was like a big fake Uluru where I went to definitely some school camps. Fake um, Uluru, the rock roadhouse near Newcastle destroyed by fire. Yeah, that must be what it. What is this? Yeah, yeah. North of Newcastle was engulfed in a fierce blaze and destroyed near Hawk's Nest. Yeah, that sounds right. The 140th Uru replica was built for Leyland Brothers World, a 1990s theme park with amusement hey! rides. All right. Oh, my God. The park ended up sending the brothers broke and was sold in 1992. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, uh, there you go. It turned into a school camp destination, I guess. <laughs> Anyway, that's not even the one we're talking about here. <laughs> I think this is a different one, but anyway. So all the women are there. They meet up with Nick and Osha, and uh, in Jamie Lee's words, quote, some really fit-looking lady 
who is soon revealed to be transformation coach Emil Braben Hames, who, if you're not familiar, are you familiar, Maxwell? Nah. Not friends no. with... Um, well, all right. Well, okay. So I wasn't either, but I did a little bit of Googling and uh, Emily is uh, half of the team that allowed Osher Ginsberg to completely transform his body for the recent cover of Men's oh, Health magazine. Oh, great. Okay, cool. So we've got so, a little bit of back scratching happening. Yeah, they're in bed together. Um, but I, I will say... Not well, literally. I don't think they're literally... In, no, I mean, Osher's happily married and isn't taking offers from anyone else, apparently. Um, but, uh, (laughs) um, I want to say I recommend the episode of the Osher Ginsberg podcast with Emily Braben Hames. It's pretty inspiring stuff. Okay. (laughs) All right. Say how much research I do for this podcast. This week. Where are you? Oh yeah, true. Where'd you get this idea from? I did rip off the idea of recommending podcasts from you, my friend Max Quinn. That's true. (laughs) Hey, while you're in the iTunes store, sweet listener, looking for the Osher Ginsberg podcast, I've got a really good idea. So you type in O S H E R space G U N S B E R G, and then you delete all that and you write Bachelor of Hearts, and then you find <laughs> us and you give us five stars, and you tell us how you yes, feel please. about that thing from Animal Crossing, the dog that oh, yeah. Xavier was mentioned, and whether yeah. you would fuck Mary Kill. Uh huh. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> we can take so this that would be great. Offline as well. Excellent. We'll see. Um. So anyway, Jamie Lee realizes that this looks like it's going to be a physical date and that her moon boot is not going to do her any favors. So she's not Why going is she to be wearing it? <laughs> well, she cuz she got broken by Brooke. She got Can't bro- believe broken. she's chosen to wear this moon boot on this date. <laughs> Why? What? Seems What's a bit inconsiderate. You know? You just mean because it's an Earth-related date or something? They're not on the moon? Oh, I've just gone out into the world wearing my moon boot, you know? (laughs) You wouldn't wear high heels to a football game while you're playing on the football because your shoe would go right through the field, wouldn't it? That's true. You wouldn't wear moon boots to this kind of date, would you? Mm. (laughs) You wouldn't be able to participate. Feels like a real fault on the part of this woman whose name I've forgotten. Jamie Lee. Yeah, and I Jamie agree. Jamie Lee, she, that's she really, right. She's very... Yeah. <laughs> she really put her foot in it. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't I a rascal? I, uh, I, I pointed at you like, you can, you do it. You do uh-huh. this bit. All right. Well, Emily explains that the women and Nick will have to think of something that has held them back in past relationships, which they will have to write down, uh, you know, that, that piece of, quote, uh, emotional baggage. Uh, and attach it to a backpack filled with weights. So it's like, you know, a literal manifestation of the yada yada, whatever. All right. Uh, Brooke's, Brooke's baggage is lack of trust in people. Uh, Termaloaf's is not being able to communicate my feelings. Termaloaf! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so on. <laughs> She's back! She said she would be. Oh, first episode. <laughs> so glad that she's back. Yes, that's right. Uh, so we watch oh, them. Alive. <laughs> this is a, such a boring fucking group date. They um they cross the river with backpacks on. Uh, Dasha gets stuck in the mud on her way in. Um, Emily tells them that jumping into a river is like jumping into a relationship. But did we actually learn anything though? Not really. No. So their next challenge has them pair off and then carry some more weights across a field. It's also very boring. Uh, and then the next one has them wading through mud and crawling through a tunnel. 
which is really boring too. It's an obstacle course. It doesn't make for good podcasts. It doesn't make for a good podcast. It doesn't make for a good date. Right, exactly. There's so little actual dating going on here. It's kind of just like something to look at on TV. Um, You've assembled a tough mudder team. Yeah, essentially that's what it is. Um, Then there's this tall barrier that they need to work together to get over. So Nick acts as a step, allowing the women to tumble into the water, but then he gets stuck on the other side because he helped everyone else first. And uh, Emily points out that he needs help, but he won't ask for it. And um, I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on here. My, my girlfriend has astutely pointed out that this is a really good analogy for the intersection of toxic masculinity and mental health issues that face wow. a lot of people in this country. I thought that was very bang on, but I mean, it's a, it's, it, you could use it as an analog for a lot of things. Um, you know, Nick not being able to, uh, open up as much as he would like. Definitely that, um, which we'll get to a little bit later. And then also, uh, the thing that I took away from it was like, Emily, pretty smart. Yeah. She's got it. She should what be about on the that? show. Yeah. What, what is that? She, what does that mean? She should be on the show some more. But yeah, so Nick is stuck on the other side of this wall and another great bit of editing, another great bit of timing, they cut to an ab break. So we're left wondering if he's going to be stuck there for the rest of his life. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. (laughs) It's really good. Uh, Anyway, yeah, Brit and Cass pull him over. Everything's fine, obviously. Um, So the group who are covered in mud reunite with Jamie Lee by a campfire and they debrief about what they've learned. Jamie Lee didn't... (laughs) learn anything she sat near a horse um brooke you know brooke had to learn how to trust people to get through the obstacle course uh Termaloof had to communicate her feelings you know yeah everyone gets a happy ending um uh, sorry everyone pardon? gets what now what is that uh, what is it happy again? they get a, a satisfying conclusion like oh they get, good um, okay yeah don't be a sicko you weirdo be a weirdo. Cool. Sicko. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Nick. Talk about Nick. Yeah. So, well, Nick has this really good speech um, where he kind of wraps up the things that he's been thinking about asking for help. He says, being one of eight kids, mum and dad have got enough on their plate and you feel that you're getting in the way or letting them down or being a burden. And I feel like that's such a relatable sentiment and it really does 100%. open up Nick's character. Yeah. It's something that we haven't seen from him. This is the vulnerability that he has been trying to show for the whole series, and he's really like getting away with it and doing it here. It's cool. Yeah, it's really good. It's what like I've been craving from this season, and so it's really I, I really treasured this moment. I treasured <laughs> this moment. I'll pass it down to my grandchildren. <laughs> and then he decides that he's going to spend the extra time with Dasha. I can't remember why. Is it because she got stuck in the mud? I don't really know. Who knows? I loved also on this date, just quickly, Sophie was like, we're tough. We're, so we're crossing the mud. And then the beautiful beat in editing where it crosses to all the girls just squealing in like knee-high mud. It was very funny. Yes. Yeah, that's right. There's, there's a lot of good like little punchlines scattered throughout here. Um, mm, there's fun jokes. It's maybe not fun dating, but it's fun jokes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Nick takes credit for the indoor fireside batchy couch that they sit at. Uh, surprise, surprise. And with some white wine, Nick proposes a toast, quote, here's to getting wet and dirty. Now, what does that mean? (laughs) What would you say that would mean? Is my question. 
feels like it feels like something that we couldn't discuss on this uh, seven thirty p.m. PG podcast. <laughs> we did start recording at about seven thirty p.m. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, so, what, this doesn't children... go out live to the nation. I'm pretty sure it does. When we oh, had those good, audio okay. issues before, I think everyone heard that. <laughs> everyone was very forgiving. Thank you for the five stars. Yeah, thanks so much for these live five stars that have all been popping off as we're recording. Yeah, I just want to shout out to um, iTunes user Jeff the Cat, who says, Meow, 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 hungry tuna in jelly, fish for dinner, meow, meow, meow. Would fuck the dog from Animal Crossing. Wow. Five stars. Love the podcast. Listen every week. Jeff and Isabel, that's a that's a dream team. That's a big combo. True. Yeah. What's their What's their couple name? Is it Jeff? Bell. Isabel. No, both... <laughs> there it is. And there's your episode title too. Congratulations. <laughs> and, Thank uh, you. Yeah. Uh, I hope not. But it is a filthy episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, Speaking of filthy episodes We're getting wet and dirty Right, exactly um, Nick takes a minute to point out That he really thinks Dasha is very hot <laughs> This is like They air a little package of Her hottest moments or whatever Okay, uh, Dasha's hot, fine Yeah, sure um, But yeah, it's been a little bit of time Since their single date And so he's hoping to confirm That that spark is still there I guess he's forgotten about, like, her bearing her soul and talking about her child and her, like... Her son. Oh, my goodness. And then, yeah, so we cut back to this very empty conversation. It's almost like a parody. Like, the fact that he's like, oh, I just want to confirm there's still a spark and then there's basically crickets. It's difficult to tell who is really to blame here. But I think, in my opinion, it does seem like Dasha is doing her best to carry things. And Nick is really just kind of not holding up his end of the conversation. Would you agree? Yeah. The interesting thing that I noticed, and I've sort of looked back and seen it across a couple of dates now, is that when the spark, the chemistry, the whatever is not there, or Nick is just clearly not feeling it, you see him looking away, and it's a really mm. a strong indicator that things aren't going well. You see it a little bit on the Rhiannon date where he isn't, making eye contact the same thing happened with jamie lee after the weird karate moon boot date um yeah where they're sitting on the couch and he's just not looking at her in the eyes and it's a real yeah. telltale thing and it makes me think a little bit more about his conversation with cass because he was looking at her so intently yeah but this is yeah uh, and he does talk about I how it's so comfortable and easy to talk to cass yeah so he could be a guy with a bit more insecurity than he's letting on i guess this is true, and it also makes me feel like this is curtains for Dasha. Yeah, it doesn't spell uh, a lot of success in the future. Um, in narration, Nick starts to question whether their relationship has progressed at all. I kind of resent that because it's literally on him to make sure that it does progress. Like, right, no one exactly. else has a say in it except him. Um, yeah, but this this whole segment, it's cut to look really, really awkward, but they actually don't show that much dialogue or whatever. I would love to hear Dasha's side of the story as to what actually might have happened. Um, I think she maybe posted something on Instagram saying, like, she had to bite her tongue, um, but I, assuming she doesn't win the show, there will probably be some juicy secrets being spilled about this at some point in the future. As soon as the non-disclosure agreement lapses, you were saying that this is part of the mystery of these couple of episodes. Yeah, well, I'm just curious. Like, 
that can't be it. Like, they really were getting on very well. <laughs> they have a lot to talk about. And, like, there must be some build-up. Like, Dasha would have thought of some things to talk about with him. It seems like she's carrying it. I'm just wondering, like, what's behind the scenes. Precisely. Um, and then, boom, rose ceremony. No cocktail party in this episode. Who saw this what coming? What is this show? I, it's it's unfamiliar to me. Why? I thought yeah, I was on the wrong we're channel. We're all new, breaking all new territory. <laughs> um, well, Cass... No, we're watching the other rose ceremony. <laughs> yeah, the other show with the rose ceremony in it, yeah. Um, Cass has got a rose already, so Nick calls out the names in the following order. I don't think we even have enough names to do the Poker rap anymore. I don't think so. Maybe you could do a sonnet. <laughs> okay. Isn't that based on syllables? Doesn't that seem complicated? <laughs> Maybe you could do it as an acrostic poem. All right. This is going to be easy. So the letters that it spells out down the side, you'll just have to sort of imagine it because I can't. It's an audio medium, of course. But the letters down the side will spell out the word. So the roses go out in this order. Shannon, Brooke, Britt, Termaloaf, Dasha, and Emily. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. yeah, I think so. Um, really gets to the heart of mm. anyway something, I guess. Um, but it's farewell to Jamie Lee, the last of the intruders, and uh, and yeah, it's pretty simple to tell why she was slowing down the pack with that moon boot that she just decided to keep wearing. So rude of her. I mean, sartorial choices be damned. I just think. That was the thing that held her back in this season. Mm. And in addition to that, she was an intruder and the intruders really didn't get offered much screen time. They didn't play very much of a role. Mm. They were kind of mm, vestigial on this season. It's almost like they were just there to increase the number of episodes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're like human shields of romance. <laughs> they didn't have to have any real connection with Nick. They just needed to like... Strengthen the numbers a little. <laughs> so, yeah, Jamie Lee, she thanks Nick. She wishes him luck. And that is it. Bye. Goodbye. Yeah, whatever. More like, you ready for this? Oh I, oh, I wonder what could be happening at this point in the show. More like, Jamie, leave. Oh, dear me. Wow. And the crowd really has enjoyed that. Yeah, the crowd's gotten right into it. Mm. Love that. Well, let's dive into the Bachelor Ostra. Ooh. <laughs> a little too fast for my own taste there. Getting a little ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. Let's have a little recap, shall we, of The Bachelor Australia, Season 6, Episode 12. Elf, elf, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we're on a group date. Ah! How did we get here? I don't know. We're just there. The final seven women, they meet Osher on a race course, and then Nick rolls up to them on a Segway. And now, he this looks... is the confusing thing. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, we needed to go over this a little bit more. So, a Segway, two different yep. types of thing. One is like a standing up, like a uh, Paul no. Blart vehicle. Oh, uh, the Paul Blarty. Yes, that's right. You I might... thought that was called the Blartcopter. <laughs> Blartcopter. No, it's called a Segway because you can use them to get from one thing to another, you know? Isn't that a bit of fun? Isn't that a I, Isn't that a bit of fun? I'd call it a blood copter. Oh, all right. I think Nick looks so much like Paul Blart with his little mustache when he's doing his little 
when he's doing his little tricks on it or whatever. He takes his, he takes his helmet off. He does a little hair toss. It's very oh, very elegant. A bit Kevin James. You're right. Yes, just like Kevin James does in both of Paul Blart more <laughs> movies. <laughs> Usher introduces us to the inaugural Bachelor Segway Relay. Um, and I start thinking about because I um the new Bachelorette promos have come out and they've been airing quite a bit on Channel Ten. There's a guy on a Segway. Who like pops out night one? I think maybe not from a limo, but just on a Segway. A Segway Seg- as a thing coming back. When were they in? Can you explain that to me? So I think the Segway was invented in maybe the early two thousands, um, and they were uh, they were you know destined to fail, I guess. But they they were idealized as this like futuristic mode of transport where everyone's going to be on a Segway and we'll have cities designed for them and that sort of thing. I've been on one. They're pretty fun. But uh, how did you get on one? Who acquired one for you? I did a Segway tour of Paris. Twice. Twice. <laughs> I've done it twice. I was waiting for the... the if you ever want to find out if people on the streets of Paris could hate you any more than just the standard amount <laughs> as a foreign person traveling there as a tourist or whatever try getting on a Segway hop and... on one of those fast <laughs> annoying things yes the, the like weirdly noisy but like not common enough that anyone would expect them either so everyone's not. like surprised and disoriented by their <laughs> appearance I think I probably like... did this in like the mid 2000s and I think even even you know it'd be much worse now. It's like when you see someone on roller skates. Right. Or like one of those little uh, skateboard roller skate things where you have to like rock your feet back and forward or whatever. Or there's, or just a unicycle or anything, you know. Or Heelys. Yeah, there's a lot. Oh, no. Heelys are cool, dude. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sick, Didn't think about man. that. Yeah. What about when someone passes you by on a blatcopter? Yes, exactly. It's very much like that. In fact, one could mistake them both for the same experience. <laughs> Uh, cool. So we're gonna design our own line of segways, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the it's merch called the Termaloaf Blartcopter. Yeah, catchy name. <laughs> They'll be flying off the shelves. We're just sort of like rolling, I guess, tilting gently <laughs> forwards. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah, great. We'll okay. be Limp Biscuit endorsed segways. Yeah, they're the dust. <laughs> it was the best of times. Uh... It was the dust of times. <laughs> All right, look, <laughs> segueing back to our topic. Good. I can only use that once, I think. Um, <laughs> so as usual with these things, there are a lot of complicated rules. Uh, it's a race, but they also have to answer multiple choice questions about Nick. But then also eventually Nick gets to choose someone from the winning team to have extra time with him. So it doesn't actually really matter what happens in the race. We love this stuff. <laughs> Arbitrary rules, nonsense for Osha to explain. It's great. It gives Osher something to do, and we love seeing Osher on the TV. Right, exactly. Because in my opinion, he is actually a pretty cool dude. Mm. Now, we've got to get to the good bit, which is um, the bit where uh, one of the contestants... Um, how would I put this? Eats it? Eats bread and, yeah, eats bread and dies. <laughs> that, is, that is perfect. That is Thank really you. Um, so yeah, we got these two teams. It's Brit, Termaloaf, and Cass versus Brooke, Emily, Dasha, and Shannon, who gets picked last. Get used to it. <laughs> uh, Cass pulls ahead for the yellow team when she is eventually able to answer that whoever instigated the date should be the one to pay for it in her multiple choice 
thingy, and Nick gets on his high horse and he's like, it's 2018 and it's all about equality. And it's like, all right, mate, this is the first like vaguely woke thing you've ever said, I think. First time we've heard of this. Mm. Uh, that's a big allegation. I'm sure he said some vaguely woke things in the past, whatever. Um, but then Termalov loses the lead for the yellow team because she is unaware of Nick's apparently really important admiration for Nikola Tesla. Uh, Who is that? So that well, that's the thing. So the show, like the joke, is that the show thinks it's really funny that she's never heard of Nikola Tesla, who is like a semi-famous, you know, historical uh, inventor. He's a he. I think he was the inventor or populist or something of ACDC current, not the band, but like I'm sorry, of like alternating current or maybe direct current or something. He's like a physicist inventor guy or something. Old. Oh. Yeah, but, like, you know, he, the question is, like, would you rather sit at the dinner table with, like, I don't know, is it, like, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr.? I don't know. I forget who it is. It's some, it's some like, incredibly important historical... Maybe, like, Gandhi. Yeah, Mahatma Gandhi. Yeah. Um, Barry or, White. Yeah, right. And then his pick is Tesla. Like, who gives a shit that she has not heard of it? The punchline of matter. this is, like, sh- sh- her saying to camera, I don't even know who that is, and we're meant to be in stitches about this. No. Who gives Mr. a shit? Bean. Yeah. Did you say Mr. Bean? Yeah, Mr. Bean. Yeah. <laughs> Same guy. Yeah. But you might know him better as Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> but then, okay, so I think the blue team's question about the types of shoes that Nick likes to wear is a total softball. And at this point, I'm starting to think maybe the show is rigged or something. Yeah, it might be uh, slanted towards one team or one particular person over the rest. Let's Isn't continue. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about it. Yeah, well, so the yellow team has Nick sub in for them for a lap. But then on his t- on his turn, he goes really slowly. And it's made out to be like he can't get the segue up to speed or whatever. In Brit's words, he says he was like a ninja turtle, but without the ninja. He was just a turtle. <laughs> really good commentary. But here's me sitting here thinking... Is it possible Nick was trying to throw this race? Quite possible that he knows who he's targeting and doesn't want to spend time with any of these other ladies. Right. He even mm. runs over a GoPro at one point. <laughs> I don't think it even help. Um, oh, I also wanted to quickly spotlight something which I noticed on this date. It is my new contender for the number one worst Frankenbite I have heard all season continue so it is it is some very standard narration from sophie i'm sorry from termaloaf who is just saying something that i am shocked they couldn't get audio of someone saying but bizarrely this was the best that they could do cass is going to answer two questions for the yellow team cass is going to answer two questions for the yellow team team. (laughs) isn't that weird they couldn't just get her back in to say that one sentence. Right. It's not like a controversial remark she won't want to have out there or anything. Precisely that. It's a bit of narration. <laughs> Isn't it weird? Very odd. Um, anyway, Britt and Brooke are last, and uh, Britt's got a little bit of ground to make up, but as she is rounding the last corner, she has a bit of a tumble. And it's pretty good. It's fairly good. I think, like, this moment, which was teased in every promo for this episode, as well as a few of the, like, whole season promos, is meant to look like a really serious accident. Um, What happens is cut together and edited pretty quickly. So we see this fall. She, you know, falls off the Segway, and she lands about a meter away, and it's accompanied with this bone-crunching sound effect. And there are... She's fine! 
She's totally fine. Well, yeah, okay. So, but there are camera people rushing over. Osha yells out, whoa, 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 whoa. And then it's intercut with interview footage of the other women saying that she might be really seriously injured. <laughs> like, it's, it is hard to overstate what a big deal they made out of this. This seemed Huge. like one of the women died on a date. Pretty much. And you see but, Nick, like, sprinting up the path, right. charging towards her to check that she's okay. To, so that he can tell a medic about what's wrong with her and get in the way again. <laughs> We've got 30 cc's of liquid cheese stack off a <laughs> bloody... You, oh, she's, uh, she's as rigged as a bloody Segway on a, on a podcast, isn't she? Right. But then we cut back after the break and Brit literally leaps up off the ground. She's, she's not, fine. She's completely fine. She brushes herself off. She's good as new. Nick even tries to sort of hang a lampshade on it. He tries to um, point out that he knows it's a bit absurd because he says, I like how she can just reset like that. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think about that? I was kind of annoyed. I was like, what a tease. Not that I wanted Brit to get hurt or anything, but it was like, stop lying. (laughs) I loved that it was like, I love the stack. Um, but mm. I don't like what they made of it beforehand. If it had been like, ah, she fell off the thing. How funny is that? And then she's fine. That would be great. Yeah. And it would add to uh, almost like be a real cool character point for Brit. But yeah. I think that this being so much of the promos for this week and for the whole season speaks to like, what what actually was going on here? What did, did right. Was there anything for poor Brit? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, or was this part of the manip- manipulation, um, which we've already sort of discussed, about the outcome of this race? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, well, just like that, the blue team are declared the winners. Isn't that an interesting coincidence? Seemed like the yellow team <laughs> were ahead for a while there, just saying. Yeah, I mean, you could almost see the chemtrails coming off the yellow teams. <laughs> right, uh, exactly. <laughs> Um, and they all get to drink some bubbly out of a big trophy while the yellow team just stand there propping up their fallen comrade. <laughs> <laughs> Brick then, gets up and she's like, Bush actually did 9-11, so, mm, you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, Nick decides he's going to give the extra time to Brooke, <laughs> which doesn't prove to be a popular decision. It's Shannon who seems to feel it the most, this, uh, you know, hurting from uh, Brooke getting extra time. Um, But then she says this kind of bad thing. She tells the camera, I feel a bit gypped at the moment. Um, I just wanted to, yeah, well, I just wanted to quickly say, like, we don't have to do a whole thing about it or whatever, but that is an ethnic slur um, that that we really... I didn't know that, to feel gypped. Yeah, well, it comes from the word gypsy, which is also... Oh, like a sort of inappropriate, uh, you know, way of referring to like the Romani people. It's not something I know like a huge amount about, um, but I mean, it's essentially like because it's based on a, a, a an ethnic group or whatever. It's kind of like saying you got like, uh, you know, like there are a lot of slurs like this with relation to like Jewish people or like you know, sure, that kind of thing. like it's a. It, it, you would not accept it if it was talking about other like groups or whatever. So I, I, I do think like this is something we probably should stop saying and and stop making pro- you know excuses for uh, in this day and age. I not had no idea. Party there you pooper, go. But no, no, no. Yes, but that's well. great. That's educational and good because I didn't know that, and it's probably something that I have said without thinking about the ramifications of it in in my day to day life. I had no idea that that's where it came from. 
Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's been. I I thought of it as a perfectly acceptable term for a really long time as well. But um, yeah, yeah. At some point, at some point, I um, someone pointed it out to me or whatever. So um, yeah, there's a, a fun learning fact about how not to uh, insult people. Wow, XRN, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, we watch Nick and Brooke at a batchy couch. Um, Nick does a lot of his usual sort of banter and says a lot of things that I didn't understand, such as, quote, steaming willy beeman. <laughs> Are you aware of the phrase steaming willy beeman? What does that mean? <laughs> I guess I don't know, Max. Um, is a beeman a man who has or loves bees? Maybe. Oh, is a steaming oh, willy beeman. Like a bee man? <laughs> Like Stephen Bumblebee Man <laughs> And it's at this point that I think maybe they're um, having a few drinks <laughs> this evening. Because Nick starts examining Brooke's shoes for some reason. Uh, he's like, I think Cinderella had something like these. Which is not true because Cinderella had some very unique glass slippers. Um, not hmm. to get on my high horse about that as well. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, then uh, Nick starts wrapping Brooke up in a blanket, and he's wrapping her legs up, and he goes, are they a bit chilly, those little hoofs? And then she laughs, and she says, it's okay, just stop calling them hoofs, maybe tootsies. So I have the question, Max, where do you stand? Oh, on hoofs or tootsies? Yeah, where do you stand? (laughs) 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 No, but really, what what would you prefer? I've played hoofsie tootsie before. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Where do you come down? Um, I mean, I get down off a horse, so probably <laughs> hoofs. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. I'm a I'm a hoof guy for sure. I think tootsie. <laughs> You're a big hoofer. I'm a big hoof head. Yeah. Anyway, they actually do have a pretty nice chat. Um, after that, where they talk about how their connection is growing stronger. Brooke says, you're absolutely so genuine and authentic and absolutely real, which is just a wonderful combo of three things that mean the exact same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I love a man who is both genuine, authentic, and real. I need all those boxes checked. Yeah, you don't want him to be made up, you're a genuine, authentic man. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and at this point I'm thinking like at, in a cynical way or whatever, I'm thinking like, God, we're really building the brand here, aren't we? Like as a guy who does like undie ads and does like, you know, all this sort of stuff, like it feels like it's playing into the greater, uh, uh, Nick Cummins, you know, story. Don't you think? Yeah, it is very, um, it's great branding for him. Yeah. As much as I want to be happy for them. And I think that Brooke is being gen, like she is saying these things because she means them. Um, it is like, we're really underlining what the badge is all about, you know? Yeah, that's true. It's kind of, she's getting the, um, and she's serving the purpose very well in giving him the shit, you're a good bloke kind of edit, which I think will speak to the tradey underpants buying Mm. audience really well. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then, yeah, so Nick, uh, produces a rose, um, and Brooke accepts it with a really big kiss. I think they even, like, introduced some new music for this kiss. I don't think I'd heard this before. It was like a real... This was a new cue, for sure. ...moment, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty good. I've, I'm running so. on things to say about the nice times that these two have together. It seems like they get on pretty well. Is she the winner? 
I still feel like maybe not. I still feel like Brit. I don't know why I'm carrying that now. I think maybe I just decided a few weeks ago. Um, I think so too. And I so that's that's why it's perplexing to me that Brooke is getting all of this time. If we are you and I so firm in our assertion that. Brit is the person who is going to end up winning this thing. Mm. What's gotta What's gonna happen here? I don't know. I, I it's less clear than I think what the cast outcome will be. Um, yeah, I think something has to come up between Brooke and and him. I don't really know what that point of difference is going to be, but I'm, I'm interested to see how it'll spring up, especially because we're 12 episodes in now and it still hasn't. You know, that's true. And she is like shaping up very, very much as the favorite. And perhaps it is doing her a disadvantage to be spending this much time with him to, you know, to be the winner of the series, not in the love sense, mm. but because she is spending so much time with him, if it does come out that they go on a few dates and turn out to be incompatible, she might be the only one who has gotten a fair shake here. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Well, we cut to a single date. There's no envelope. The envelope budget has been slashed. It's just, we're doing it now. <laughs> Um, we watch as Nick gazes out onto Sydney Harbour from the viewing platform of the Sydney Opera House with the Sydney Harbour Bridge in the background. And I realise when I'm looking at this shot that they are in the city of Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Yes. Um, it's Haven't a bright, been there enough. <laughs> right, yeah. It's a bright, sunshiny day. And the stage is set for, as, as we both agree, I think, one of the better single dates uh, in, in recent memory. And it's with Emily. I think this is the best date of the season that we've seen so far, and I am thrilled that it comes from Emily, who I was so high on to start the season, and a lot of it is hubris in that this date has gone well, and I feel very justified in my pick of her as the winner before the season yeah. started. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm willing to admit that, but I still think that this date was incredible because the producers really went to the effort to get to know Emily and cater a date to her that was really, I don't know, like, it was bang on the money in terms of who she was as a person, and it really let Nick get some kind of understanding of that too. Right, exactly. And like, yeah, like you said, Emily's been blending into the background for pretty much the whole season. Um, but Nick did promise her, um, he would make some time for a single date recently. Um, so she's finally given the chance to prove herself here. Um, and I think it's really good that it's in this, like, she's so in her element. Um, Nick has this special date planned for her. They're going to be watching a rehearsal by the Australian Ballet. And Emily explains in voiceover that ballet has been about 19 or 20 years of her life. And I think she's like 24 years old. So, yeah, right. um, it's a big deal. And recently I was reading a bit more about this and she, um, she trained with the Miami city ballet. Um, she actually got like got sent over to the U S on a scholarship. Like she's a real serious ballet person. Um, Rena, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah. but then an injury cut her ballet career short. Um, and so she's been teaching instead of, uh, you know, performing over the last few years. Um, so, like, I guess this is a slightly loaded date for her, but it's something you can tell that she's, like, super passionate about. You can feel that, like, radiating off her the whole time. Yeah, it's really cool. They've given her something that she is good at. They've given him a way into her world. And isn't it different to sitting on a boat? Right! When you actually... When they cater a date to what the personality of the contestant actually is, it's so much more satisfying and you get to see Emily bringing him into this world, and he has to try and adjust to it. Like, it's so good. Exactly that. 
And so, like, it reminds me of some of the most memorable dates in in Bachelor history for that reason. Like, for example, the Heather Heather Maltman and Blake Garvey date where uh, they yeah. did superheroes. You know, like yeah, there are where she got to plan that date. Yeah, it's it's different to oh, Brooke gets a key to the bachelor pad and she gets to take around fruit and sausages and they hang out for a morning. This is you actually get to see someone do what they are good at and I don't think that there is any better way for you to get to learn about someone than by yeah. finding out what they are passionate about. It's fucking sick. I was yeah. really really in on this date and to see Nick a little bit out of his own element as well was was beautiful too. Totally. So, Nick and Emily watch these two dancers perform part of Spartacus, um, and Emily is, like, wrapped. Her, her eyes are so wide open. You can tell, like, the specificity of this date is not lost on her, and it's really, mm. like, meaningful. And then next, the dancers, who we learn are named Kevin and Robin, um, take Emily and Nick through a few steps, uh, which involves them getting changed, which gives Nick the chance to do some of his like classic material about the jock strap and the tights and stuff, and that's all fine. Uh, he says to one of the dancers, "It's going straight up me crackle." Um, <laughs> I love how enthusiastic the uh, Kevin the dancer was. There, he was like, "Yeah, yeah it he's is. Like, it is. Yeah, this is what I. Yeah, every single day of my life. Yeah." <laughs> I like this because it could have been embarrassing. Like, it could have been, like, he's spoiling it or whatever. But Emily takes it all with good humor. Um, yeah. And it's like, you just get this good balance between her, like, doing her thing in her element and then him goofing around, doing his thing too, but then gradually adjusting to the environment and the types of things he needs to do, you know? And you can perhaps see that maybe those jokes that he makes uh, in all these different situations where he takes credit for the couch and etc. Maybe these things stem from a lack of comfort on Nick's part, and it's kind of cool mm. to see him slowly acclimatize to something that is out of his comfort zone. And as we move through the date, I think you'll agree that he does a really good job of it. Totally, yeah. And, like, yeah, as somebody who... Um, does occasionally uh, at least attempt to use humor as a defense mechanism. Uh, sure. I, can, I can really relate to that, for sure. Um, but they, they move on to this uh, pas de deux exercise um, where they work on choreographing a routine. A routine uh, how is that the word I had trouble with? <laughs> a routine <laughs> that they can do together, um, which I think is so good because this puts less of the focus on like Nick on his own, doing his own thing, riffing, and more on Nick trying not to let Emily down as she does this thing that she enjoys. And this is the tension, great. The tension here comes from the question, can Nick hold it together long enough for their performance in front of these people that Emily really admires? And it's like, that should be the show. It's so good. It's great. It gives him something to live up to. And as a professional athlete, we know that he loves a challenge. And so to watch him take advantage of that and really succeed in that space... It's sort of, mm. I don't know, It this is the part of it that reignites Nick for me and suggests to me, this is a dude who, as he said in the previous episode, knows that he's been a bit emotionally uh, detached mm. so far. Distant, it's been maybe. hard going. Yeah, yeah. It's been hard going for him to express himself about everything that's been going on. And this is him trying. And I think that's so fucking cool. Yeah. 
And then, so they do their performance and it's really good. Like, it's really great. It's like, yeah. it's technically good, but it's also funny and it's like captures both of their personalities. It's like just nice. I really, really enjoyed it. And it's like well shot and well lit and stuff, stuff I wouldn't normally comment on. This is the best date of the season. I am thrilled that uh, we got to finally see some of Emily. And not only... Uh, we're focusing so much on what Nick was like in this situation. Emily also was a delight. She was fantastic. She lit up. She was, like, having the time of her life. She was throwing herself into it. Uh, it yeah, it was It was just so fun to watch. It was um, really cool. But the weird thing is, it does keep going. Um and I think the later part of this date is substantially different to the earlier. Yeah. Part. So as the sun sets, they sit at a batchy couch, which is set up in one of the sails of the opera house. And Emily says she's impressed by Nick's capacity for elegance and grace. And she tells the camera, I am starting to get feelings for Nick. However, she mentions that she's been overthinking the fact that I mean, you know, she she says she's been uh, stressing out and overthinking and stuff. I guess it's because she's just getting her first real attention from Nick like 12 episodes into the show, which in my opinion, not an unreasonable thing to be concerned about. More than a month in. Right, exactly. On on any measure, because we don't know exactly how the time works in these things or whatever, but like it's been a while. She's been very patient. Yes. Nick admits that there hasn't been a lot of time. I'm sorry, that there has been a lot of time. Um you know, in, 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 where he hasn't taken her on a date, even since he promised to take her on a date. But he doesn't apologize. He just kind of says that it's been a while. Yeah. And then, in, again, in my opinion, we see Emily try to drive a conversation with uh, Batchy, who just doesn't really seem to have that good chat. I feel like there's a few people he has really worked out how to talk with. Um, but with somebody like Emily at this point in the converse, I'm sorry, at this point in the competition, I don't think he knows how to talk to her really. No, and it's because it's been fucking two months or ten months or however long they've been stranded inside this house, and he hasn't taken the time. Right, exactly. He hasn't learned to do his part, and he's also feeling awkward about the fact that he's put her in this position. Absolutely, and it is. I don't know. It does kind of speak to the conceit of the show that Nick has been in there for all of this time talking to all these women and there's probably uh and i guess fairly a level of expectation for on his part of what he is going to experience going into one of these dates that he has admitted that he struggles on you know in Mm. terms of being vulnerable and all that kind of stuff and Mm. when he doesn't or, or when a particular event doesn't fall his way or the way that he expects it to maybe that's the time at which we start to see him clam up as he does in the back half of this date Right, yeah. So, yeah. I had thought maybe he was, like, running out of his little catchy phrases or whatever. Because um, he does... Batch phrases. Right, yeah. He does tend to lean on those quite a bit. Um, there's this, like, long, awkward pause as part of this date. And then it's punctuated by a real-life 2018, quote, cool story, bro. Which is not something I've heard in quite some years. Um, but no. that's what that's what Nick says to himself, I guess. Um yeah. Yeah, very odd. The one thing that really bugged me about this was not that, like, they weren't sparking or whatever, which I can understand, and I don't even necessarily... Like, at this point, it's not really anyone's fault. It's just kind of happened. But we get Nick, who... It's his show. His... You know, he's The Bachelor. So he gets to narrate everything and sort of decide how the story gets told. 
he, uh, in in a little voiceover or whatever, says that he wasn't feeling the right vibes from Emily, which to me is like, I felt like Emily was kind of trying to put it out there and he was just not receiving it properly. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, yes, yes. And he, he thanks her for, for her time and her patience, but he decides that he's going to send her home without a rose. Really weird. Really sad. It is a bummer, considering he's sent almost every... I think this is like the second or maybe maybe third person he's sent home without a rose. It really yeah. seems to send a strong message. I was I was upset about that. I thought this date was wonderful, and this is the part of the growth arc where I am... I start to feel like, is this? Do you, have we been sold a bill of goods? Is this mm. what is actually happening, or am I making this up in my head? Mm. Because that is what I so desperately want to see. Yeah, yeah, yep. It's uh, it's pretty confusing. Um, and then we we go back to the cocktail party, and Emily's uh, roseless return surprises the women, but not as much as the entrance of one Osher Ginsburg, a pretty cool guy, if you ask me. <laughs> Um, who tells us that since hometowns are next week, which, by the way, I didn't realize. Um, no, me neither. It always sneaks up, doesn't it? But there's only one single date to go, and Nick will be picking who the lucky lady will be at some point during this cocktail party. So we have good stakes set up for this cocktail party, which is good because we did not have a cocktail party at all in the previous episode. What? Loved this. Thought it was a great mechanic to uh, increase the tension in what otherwise would have been like a, is Emily going home? What's going on? Kind of episode. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, Shannon's the first one to talk to Nick. And since Emily has finally had her single date, Shannon is now the one who has spent the longest time waiting for another date um, because she was the first to go on one. She tells him, if we were to end up somewhere, we could really empower each other to be the best versions of ourselves." which I think is like a good and strong, interesting thing to say. And then he kind of slurs. I really think there's some alcohol going around here. He kind of slurs. I know that you think on a deeper level and it's beautiful because I do feel that I think on a similar level. Like that's all he Mm. has to say. It wasn't great, but he really gives her a um, a lot of hope here, I think. I think so too. And I think he, uh, I wonder if he knew that, it was not going to be a, a really good time for her or whatever. You know, like, I wonder if he knew yeah. he wasn't going to give it to her and he's just trying to make her stay afloat or whatever. We've got to talk about this thing, Termaloaf, this stunt that Sophie <laughs> tries to pull. Um, she decides she's going to catch Nick's eye using a whiteboard and some colorful markers, um, which she uses to draw a stick figure with obscenely muscly arms. Very odd and off-center. I'm not an artist or an art critic, but uh, um, she also draws a butterfly. Even though she says she has a phobia of them, she still enjoys the feeling of having butterflies. It's an important distinction to make. Oh, a phobia of butterflies. That's a new one. Isn't that interesting? I I can imagine a phobia of moths, but with butterflies, for some reason, I'm just like, well, come on. They're nice, aren't they? They're cute. Yeah, but I don't know. It takes all kinds. i got a fear of heights, you know? (laughs) What a freak. Um, she also draws a fire because he has a warm scent about him. Okay. Uh-huh. Getting a little more abstract now. And then also she draws a big red heart because he's got heart disease. No, um, because <laughs> he's lovely or whatever, you know. 
This is, I guess, kind of like a cleaned up version of the Hot for Teacher stunt that Flo pulled on Maddie J, was it? I think so, yeah, yeah. It's, um, a, uh, it's a much sweeter, more wholesome version of that. Right, yeah, and I, I think the idea is less like, oh, check this girl out or whatever, but more like... This is a way. It's a. It's a. It functions as a good way for Termolov to talk about her feelings to Nick. Like I feel like definitely it. It is opening up this topic of conversation, um, you know, and it allows her to really lay it out on the line, which I think is quite good. And and we haven't seen really too much of from Termolov recently, anyway. No, um, it's been a while since we've heard from her, and if you recall the initial stuff that we we felt from Termolov was when she was trying to do that Pilates stuff which was quite uncomfortable oh that's right yeah they've they've always had that little bit of a barrier between them i guess so this this works in breaking bit that of a down hitch. Mm. yeah and if they are to get hitched at the end of this mm. which who can say um you know maybe this is something they've got to overcome yeah absolutely um well but i i think this goes such a long way in doing that she says i really really like you and I'm not doing the Carly Rae Jepsen joke because I've done it too many times already. <laughs> um, she says, I'm loving getting to know you and I hope you feel a little bit the same, which is really nice, I think. And and particularly, like, it feels appropriate for this level in the competition and that kind of thing. It's not over the top, but it's still like a declaration that has some meaningfulness to it, you know? Definitely. Definitely. And so Nick says, Soph, that's beautiful. Honestly, this here is amazing. And he points at the whiteboard whatever I don't, it feels like he can't say anything back to her at this point because it would give away he's like you've done something yeah he's like oh i love just having a nice time oh what a beautiful evening but it turns out that this stunt paid off because nick grabs sophie to offer her the last single date and he says i feel like with us there's something more that needs to be explored and for the last date i want to share that with you wow okay good yeah. on her I like this because it's like he's not necessarily saying you're my favorite one or anything. Like it is still like there's a lingering sort of like there's a chance that I might send you home on this single date. Like don't, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, there's you know, tension. Yeah, exactly. There's tension and it means that he's, you know, his mind is not made up yet, which is what keeps us watching, I guess. But then the camera, without even cutting, just racks focus to Shannon, who is in the background and weeping. And she's very unhappy with this. She's very upset, yes. Um, she's upset that her efforts didn't pay off. The little chat that she had with Nick didn't, you know, guarantee her this extra time. And then uh, this is all where it all gets a little bit mysterious to me. And I, so I wrote this down in fairly granular detail just because often when these types of moments happen on the show, which seem to have been happening more and more frequently lately... Um, it can be hard to tell what's actually happening and what is you just be, what lies you're being fed, man. <laughs> so we see her. There's this first shot where she's in the background weeping, and then this moment is intercut with an in the moment interview where she's tearily sort of declaring right to the camera, "I am here to find love, and I've done all I can. Ugh, I don't want to do this right now." She doesn't walk away. We then see some very separate footage. I guess from the same night because she's wearing the same dress, but bear with me here. It's Shannon walking down a hallway, and then we hear audio of a door slamming, but we don't see a door slam. I know I'm like <laughs> between the looking glass here or whatever. It's really weird. But I can't emphasize this enough. We never see her actually leaving. Um, it's just this weird, uncomfortable thing, and we cut to an ad break, and then Shannon is on the rafters at the rose ceremony like nothing ever happened. 
What's what does that mean, Max? What's going on? What does that mean? Yeah, it's it's really weird. I just look. I think that they needed to probably drum up more tension than was actually there, mm. and this was the most dramatic way for them to spell out. There's something going on here that we haven't been able to explain to you within the narrative of the show that we've constructed. So right. now you've got five seconds of this woman's acting weird. It feels so hasty. You've got yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree because there is more of it, um, but but you know yeah I I guess this part was maybe concocted or at least spiced up quite a bit in the edit just to make us feel a bit more, uh, on on board <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so at the rose ceremony, Brooks got her rose already, and Nick, having only five more to give out, hands out the roses to Termaloaf, Britt, Cass, Emily, and Dasha. Which means, yes, Shannon is the next one to be cast out. And it's we watch this incredibly unrestrained moment of, like, pure tragedy. The women... Yeah, it's really sad, isn't it? Oh, it's heart-wrenching. I mean, the, the women embrace Shannon. Um, they're all sort of crying into her shoulders. And then uh, Nick leads her outside. And uh, he begins to explain, in this environment, it is hard. And then Shannon says, you haven't even got to know me. I was hanging on to shit, man. You could have, you should have given it another date. We would have made a great couple. And it's like, oh god, Nick, like he looks grave. We cut to reaction shots of all the other women. Dasha is crying on the floor. There's a rose that's been knocked to the ground. There's blood everywhere. That that last one is not true. That I was gonna say. I don't <laughs> recall seeing that. Yeah. Um. Shannon says, I can assure you that a girl in there is going to fulfill every little nook and cranny that you need. The swings, uh, sorry, the strings are swelling. Um, and he leads her to the limo. He kisses her on the cheek and she says, you should have just kissed me. And he's really wistful. He's like, our first date, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know where I was. Uh, this if you didn't so... know where you were, then don't go on The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's totally true. Very valid, very valid, very fair. I found this so hard to watch. This is another moment where re-watching it, I was like, jeez, they're really putting us through the ringer here. It's quite devastating, isn't it? It truly is. And we watch Shannon crying in the limo. I mean, this is, compare this with Jamie Lee's exit, where she's just like, well, thank you, goodbye. Shannon is like... Well, gotta go, see ya. Shannon gets like Coldplay, greatest hits, like somber piano music. <laughs> she's like, I feel really disappointed. I thought I knew what he was looking for, but... Obviously, I had no clue, but I just got to hope that there's someone else out there for me. And it's like... <sighs> it really does feel like she was the heart of the house too, don't you think? I think so, yeah. Often you get this feeling um, on this show that like someone was incredibly beloved. Um, and she had always been very like chipper and upbeat and positive and stuff. So I bet they would really feel that absence. Mm. Um, and then we get this really grating cut to the next time on The Bachelor thing, and there's, like, a piano, like, like, what do you call that? That fall <laughs> thing? And then, yes. you, and then you hear Osha going, the fabulous 50s are back. Um, and everyone is, like, in dressed up in costume, and they're on a group date where they go bowling. <laughs> like, it's like, hey, that bummer we all just experienced, let's forget that ever happened. I laughed. I, I will say to you, I laughed, I laughed too. I thought that was funny. It's like it was really funny because of how inappropriate and how the <laughs> just like 
the mood completely shifted. Right. It's like in a trailer where it's like, you know, he was a record scratch. Ow, I feel good. Like, you know, it's that type of... Yes, yes. Very, very, very different. Uh, yep. Uh, so that is probably going to be fun. Everybody has to write a letter to their future self, and it makes Cass cry in front of everybody. Can't wait for that. That'll be a barrel of laughs. <laughs> but then, fucking hell yes, it turns out that Sophie's single date, this one that we were, you know, so much anticipation was about, it's ice hockey themed. That's cool. Hell I'm yeah. excited. Go Leafs. Yes. Um, yep. You love the Leafs. I do. Uh, you also have a team, I'm sure. Uh, I know I don't really have a hockey team. I guess the Penguins are pretty cool. No, they're not. It's one of those ones I've just have never, as you know, really, really gotten into hockey that much. Mm. Well, next week's your big chance, and it's also uh, hometowns, obviously, next week. So that's going to be huge. So how is this going to play out? Are we going to see some? We got Sophie's oh, like- single date, um, plus probably a the, oh yeah the bowling group date. That stuff will all be on Wednesday. And then Thursday, I think, will be a hometown special. So, a long episode this Thursday. Could be, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. Probably well, long, probably boring. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'm curious. Wow. Well, RIP Shannon. Uh, you know, she had a good run. She was. I thought she was a great narrator on the show. Totally. And Seemed like a really know. good, nice person. Yep. And it's a shame that we don't get to... We don't get to see her anymore. Yeah, but that's just the way the... Can I segue this? No. Um, Let's do it. Just the way the theme park crumbles. (laughs) Wow. There you go. Mm -hmm. You've done it. What does that mean? (laughs) I feel like now there's a good catchphrase on this podcast. I'm just leaning on it too often. Uh, It's good. It's a good catchphrase, though. I I do like it. It's awesome. Whoever came up... Well, no. (laughs) I can't... (laughs) Um... All right, I don't know. I, we did it again. We've watched. I think so. We talked Another about everything. Episode. Right, five stars. Right, we've already done Thank all you. our plugs. Isn't this a relief? It's nice to get it out of the way at the start, <gasps> so that we can just end it on such a um, an abrupt note. Right, exactly. This weird moment of like whiplash that we all got from the TV this week. <laughs> I can't wait for our next episode. I hope you guys will be back. Hopefully, our friend Kelly will be on the uh, podcast again sometime soon. Um, oh, we miss her. We love her. Yeah, what a wonderful person. I saw her yesterday. <laughs> I just heard my dog vomit She'll outside be back. my room. <laughs> <laughs> I better go take care of that. Thank you All right. so, so much for listening. We love you. Please look after yourselves, etc., etc. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after the break. Uh, right after this. Is that what we say? That's what we say. Perfect. Goodbye. We love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. 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 Bye.